Hey, welcome to Sunday Coffee. Here on the Sunday of Super Bulldog Weekend, Bart Gregory, Charlie Winfield. The sun came up this morning. Man, it got down in the 40s last night. It's kind of cool this morning when I rolled out, Charlie. Yeah, it's still a little cool right now. I bet that'll change. It'll change in a little while. But, man, I tell you what, it's just a, it's a beautiful day, not a cloud in the sky. The sun did come up for you state fans out there. It's all right. Charlie, here's the thing. You know, we ask this question during football season. We ask this question. Used to in our old Monday, what was it, Monday quarterback? Monday cool down. Monday cool down. That's right. I can't remember how we came up with that name. Well, the idea was that we were going to be too amped up after a game, good or bad. And so the idea was after a Saturday game, you give it to Monday. Now we're going to cool down and look at it with a little more of a level head. That was the idea. Okay. So let's use a little bit of that thought process today. Because we used to ask this question, do you feel better? Do you feel worse? Do you feel about the same as when you left the stadium, the ballpark, whatever? What's your thoughts? I have mine. I'm going to let you go first then. I feel exactly the same. I feel exactly the same as I left the ballpark yesterday. And well, you were yelling at little children and no, kicking things on the stadium the way I was, out yesterday. I was smiling leaving. <laughs> and it was, it was not a situation of, hey, I was apathetic. I didn't care. But I was told by Jim Ellis – Back when I first went to work with him in March of 2000, which has been 21 years now, and Jim says, let me tell you something about the game of baseball. It's not like football. It's not like basketball. And it's not like the sports. You have a condensed amount of games. Baseball is the game where if you live and die by every single game, if you get two up, two down, it will drive you insane. And I've kind of had that feeling my entire life now if it comes becomes a big game late in the year yeah, it's, that's one thing but in the middle of the season and I'm not I'm not trying to discredit yesterday at all Friday night was awesome I mean it was great I was in the outfield the crowd was great it was a great ball game it was t- really good ball game and then yesterday was completely opposite from a standpoint of you had a competitor for Ole Miss come out and take that crowd out of the game. It was a great crowd yesterday. It was a great atmosphere. But yesterday, you just get beat. I think I feel a little bit better than I did leaving yesterday, and I'll tell you why. And that is because one of the things that you just mentioned, and that is the ability to gain a little perspective. If you are looking at this as one game, and you're a Mississippi State fan, you have every reason in the world to feel terrible right now. But the truth of it is, this is a three-game series, and we've played two. And right now, the only thing that really matters is there's one check on each side of the box for each team. You got one win, you got one loss. And yesterday, how many hits do we have? One hit? We got one. (laughs) You can't say that on here. The bottom line is, yesterday we were bad, but it's not a cumulative game. Meaning it's just one win, it's just one loss, and we get to do it again. I've got to tell you, you hit on something. Let's, Let's talk about this. How many times do we talk about guys coming in to duty noble field? What is it they call it, the dude effect? Yeah. A lot of guys come in, a lot of visiting pitchers, a lot of young guys, a lot of people who are struggling come in, and they struggle, and they don't do very well. What we saw yesterday was the exact opposite of that. Yeah. You saw a guy, it was like a power-up button for him. I mean, it was like everything – said negative against him was like an energy vitamin for that guy. He just shoved it. There are people in this world that relish those moments. 
And it's not just in baseball. It's not just in football. You think of a singer going to the Grand Ole Opry. Sometimes you hear that thought process of a singer, and they say that was the best performance they've ever had. They just relish in that moment. Some crumble. Some go out there and and lay the egg. That guy yesterday, and Doug Nikhazy is the perfect recipe if you had Ole Miss yesterday because he's a guy who has been around, a guy that has pitched in big games before. He knew what Saturday was going to be like. And like you said, he relished in it. It was like the gladiator, man. I'm fighting the crowd. I I am going after you as hard as I possibly can. And so I think one of the things, and we talk about Doug Nikhazy, and he's probably going to win the National Pitcher of the Week award, and he should because yesterday I still remember Alan Johnson throwing, what, a two- or three-hit shutout in Oxford. I still remember Chris Stratton throwing a two- or three-hit shutout in Baton Rouge in 2010 when his freshman season – this is one of those that Ole Miss folks are going to remember for a while. I mean, he, he went into – that that was a monumental game yesterday in their history. And oh, so, absolutely. So, anyway, I mean, that that was a – it was a good outing. But, but the key is, and you hit this, it's one game. It's one game. And then, two, he pitched with a lead all day yesterday. When he walked out to the mound for the first time, he had a lead. I thought early in the game – we kind of gave them some stuff. We had a couple misplays on some balls. And, and to go back to the point, Charlie, of when you get in the mentality in the game of baseball of we have to have results and we have to have differences and shakeups in the lineup, we have to have them right now. Now, Chris Lamonis said after the game yesterday, listen, we, we finally wrote it as long as we could write it. And Josh Hatcher had some bad at-bats on Friday night. So we, we felt like we had to make a change. But, you know, I wake up this morning and I look at, I look at the, the book of face and and people are like, man, you've got to move Skinner to center field. You've got to move this guy to here. And I'm sitting there going, what are you guys thinking? Because you don't. To me, that shows me that you may not understand the intricacies a little bit because you can't be making moves in this game every game because you start chasing your tail a little bit. What I'm trying to say is, yesterday was a day we made a move, and it didn't work at that time. It could work, but it didn't work yesterday. No, it didn't, and that's again, like you say, it's not to say that it wouldn't. It's just really hard to start making moves halfway through the SEC season. Now and then, you just have to do a little something, but it's tough, and you know, it's and it's hard to single out any one guy because none of the moves worked yesterday, but none of the guys staying in their place worked either. I mean, yeah, it was like because you can say Brad Cumbus got the DH job and had some really bad at bats. But tell me somebody who had good ones. And, hey, listen, listen. before I go any further, I don't want to sound condescending. I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to sit here and say, hey, we know baseball. You don't know baseball. I'm just saying there are like 19 different ways to skin a cat in this game. And there's no one good way. I could say today, hey, let's make this move, make this move here, and it'd be completely wrong. I'm just saying that sometimes you read stuff on the Internet and the first time you read it, then you get the idea in the back of your head, we got to make a move here. But you don't know where that thought process began. Well, and the other thing you don't know is what you don't know. And exactly. What you don't know is what the coaches see because there's a lot of reasons sometimes. You know, for example, you say, why does it this guy play center? Well, maybe he's got a, a difficult time picking up the ball out of the backfield, you know, out of the background that is that stadium. There's all sorts of things that go into who plays where. And they've played enough fall games. they played enough games in the early spring. 
they've got a pretty good idea. And this isn't to say, hey, you got to trust the coaches. I mean, look, Chris Lamonis has shown here. Here's I go back to this a lot, but Chris Lamonis has shown an ability and a willingness to take veterans and sit them down and say we're not playing. Now the question too becomes, just because he makes a change, it doesn't always mean it's permanent. Sometimes in baseball, you just need a day off to kind of clear your head and come back. Hey, DeBrule's back. The, hey, the, the thing that stands out to me about Scotty DeBrule being back in the lineup, in the game on Friday, they had a pop-up early in the game out in the shallow right field. And you remember when he came out of the lineup, it was really not taking charge on an infield pop-up against Arkansas. He went back in the <laughs> mid-range that. right field. He was like, that gummit, that's mine. I'm going, <laughs> I'm going to get it. Tanner Allen, you can run over me all day long, but that ball is mine. Well, and there was a ground ball at some point yesterday, and I thought he was going to tackle Tanner <laughs> Allen as he was running to right field to get it. I mean, it was a solid hit. And so you see sometimes what a little shakeup can do for somebody. And so you wonder, you say, well, you can't put Hatcher back in. I don't know whether they will or they won't. This isn't advocating because I don't know. To me, what's been the problem with Josh Hatcher? It looks like he's trying to pull everything, trying to hit everything hard. Sometimes it takes a little seat by the coaches to see things that are going wrong. And I've said all along, I think Hatcher is better when he goes up the middle other way. Maybe that message gets through the same way the take charge, catch the ball did to DeBrule. Yeah. Let me give you one other reason for to have a little bit of enthusiasm today if you're a state fan. Nikhazy, and this goes back to, to him, he's been that middle game guy. Once he came back healthy, Ole Miss loses on a game one. It was a Thursday game to Florida. Come back with Nikhazy game two. They went eight to two, feeling real good about themselves. Come out on Sunday, they lose. Arkansas, they had to play the doubleheader, but they lose that first game on Saturday. They bring back Nikhazy in game two. They win 13 to six. I mean, they roughed up Arkansas in a game two just a week ago. What happens? They come back on Sunday. They give up 18 runs and lose. So the idea that because Ole Miss dominated the middle game, we're done, we're toast, they're going to come out and win today, that's not – I just don't believe that to be true. And, in fact, I've got two straight weeks of evidence to back it up. Flip the page and look at the Ole Miss side. And we start talking about making moves. Mike Bianco – stayed with Derek Diamond in that Sunday role, Sunday role as long as he possibly could. And he finally, this weekend, this weekend, today's his test pilot. You know, Drew McDaniel is a guy that's been a midweek guy. He's undefeated. They're going to roll him out on a Sunday in front of about 10,000, 11,000 people. And so their test pilot today is rolling this guy out here today because he finally had a, he finally saw enough of Derek Diamond on Sunday. Now Derek Diamond is going to be a good pitcher, so it's it's going on everywhere. It's not just you know, situations we have. All right, going back to yesterday, and, and when you start wanting to make moves and things, I'm not ready to move Rowdy Jordan out of center field. He misplayed a couple of fly balls to center field yesterday, and it was funny. We we had Ron Polk in the booth with us, who was sitting on the the opposite side of the camera, and the first thing that Coach Polk does. Every inning is is walk over and he just gives us tidbits and just just talks. It's great, isn't it? Oh, it's so funny. He is so funny. And what's interesting, by the way, before you finish your point, is how many times he sees things that we see that fans see, but he has just like a little twist on it. Yeah, you know, everybody sees. For example, why doesn't Rowdy pick up those balls? And I'll let you tell here, but he sees it a little differently. Yeah, his thought process, as soon as the ball goes up, you got to turn and run. you got to turn and run and take your eye off the ball. 
and he, he was talking about, you know, the, the, the mistake that Rowdy made was he eyed it the whole way. And you, you don't – you're uncertain about how far you're drifting back. But as a, as a really good outfielder at the next level, that's one of the things they teach you in Major League Baseball is as soon as the ball goes up is to understand where it's going and then you tuck and you run it and then you find it again. Now, you can't do that at dusk. You can't do that under bad lights. But in that situation yesterday, that's what he was talking about. Now, I will say this, and I asked him this question. What about, you know, there's the awning situation. We saw it a couple of weeks ago early in the game, and that's something to look at for today too is early in the game about pop-ups. I don't know what it is about this stadium. I don't know what it is about everywhere, but I'm just saying just, just look for it early in the game today. But he was talking about how you just had to turn and run, find the spot and get to it. So, And remember we asked him about what if it's a ball in the sun. Do you try to follow it? And he said, no. He don't treat it like you would dusk. He said, because I'd rather you lose the ball in the sun than let it go over your head and <laughs> just get back and find it. Yeah, thing. but at the end of the day, you're gonna if, if you're going to miss it, miss it in the sun, don't miss it because you misjudged it. It was funny Friday. Um, I told him, I was like, because he had the game Friday night on the radio, and it's almost like he dares me to say things and I dare him to say things. And I said, let me tell you this. When Peyton Chatagnier comes to the plate, if you refer to him as a TikTok sensation, and that's all you got to say, hey, this guy's a TikTok sensation. That's all you got to say. And it started a 10-minute diatribe. That's 10 minutes of my life I'll never get back. <laughs> it was, well, eight and a half of it had to be trying to explain what TikTok is. Well, no, he wanted to know the difference in TikTok and Twitter. And so that that became – and everybody in the office was listening to this conversation and like, when are you going to get out of this conversation? Okay, Yesterday, we kind of you know, beat this one about yesterday. Hey, nine to nothing. Ole Miss came out, took the early lead. Okay, let me ask you this question, Charlie, because a lot of people said to me, man, it just looks like we quit. Well, at, hey, we got a game today, and when you get in the fifth inning and you're down six nothing, you're not going to burn your big bullets out of the pen. So it's interesting, right? You determine what does that mean when you say we quit. You don't want to see your players going up there and giving up on at-bats. You want to see guys have some pride, continue to grind out at-bats, continue to try to pitch it well. But you, of necessity, have to manage it differently. I mean, are you going to burn Parker Stinnett in the seventh inning of a ball game where you've got one hit? Just no chance. Cam Tuller does not become a matchup guy yesterday coming in. He becomes a guy who you're trying to get innings out of. And I understand bringing Cam Tuller into the game yesterday, and Chris Lamonas talked about this after the game, because he was had been good, especially against left-handers, last few times out, and Ole Miss had six left-handed hitters in the order uh, yesterday. And so he's a guy that he felt like. Now he left some balls over the middle of the plate. I thought that was one of the things that Chris Lamonas brought up after the game yesterday is – you know, Will Bednar, he felt like Bednar just left a lot of stuff in the fat part of the plate. He thought that Cam Tuller did a lot of stuff in the fat part of the plate. And, I, hey, let me tell you, I'm not about to be this guy uh, because you get beaten out of nothing, you got beaten out of nothing. But you kind of wonder. You come out that first at bat to Gonzalez, you think you have a couple of strikeout pitches, and you realize you're not getting the corners. And then all of a sudden you start grooving things. You kind of wonder about how sequential this game is, that first at bat by Gonzalez yesterday, about what that did to the mindset of of Will Bednar. So Gonzalez gets on. He has that long at bat where he's down 0-2, fights back, earns the walk. Nine pitches. And then you have the two-out hit that drives him in from second. How is life different 
if that ball doesn't get into right field? That's I mean, a good question. And, and, again, that goes back to the thing we were talking about earlier. You've got Hatcher playing first base. He probably makes that play. Now, look, let me be clear. I'm not suggesting that Josh Hatcher is a gold glove player. I mean, he missed a throw over to first. On Friday, uh, on yeah. On Friday. So, and this but, is not an indictment of Luke Hancock at all. No. I mean, look, the, the guy's a catcher. He, he was giving everything he had, and he made some – Made some good plays some after good that. plays after that. So, but you, you go and you look at little things and then the ability, you know, in those first couple of innings, it was just one, one, one that they were putting on the board. It wasn't like they were having explosive innings, but they stacked one runs on top of each other. And then in the fourth inning, the leadoff home run by Leatherwood. And then when Kale Baker was hit by the pitch, Calvin Harris gets a single. That was it for Will Bednar. You bring in Tuller, gets a fly out. A single by Chatney drives in a run and then back-to-back outs. And so Tuller really kind of limited the damage right there in that fourth inning. And then they bounce right back. It's a 6 nothing game. They get two runs in the fifth inning. And for all intents and purposes, it's like, okay, who can we get out there that will uh, will eat up some innings? We brought Mikey Tepper into the game. We brought Eric Sarantola into pitch the, the top of the ninth inning. So you lose yesterday. Okay, let's go back to Friday night. I think you start with the job of Christian McLeod. He gives up two runs on four hits, five strikeouts, two walks. McLeod was good. You look back at that game, we were able to take the early lead. I thought the the thing that stands out to me is the way that Tanner Allen ran the bases aggressively in that game. It got you. It stole you two runs. And what I mean by it stole you two runs, that one-out double in the first inning, that was a single to right center field. He gets to, and then he scores on the single by Cameron James. Okay, if he's at first base, it's first and third. It's a different scenario, different situation. Then late in the game in the sixth inning, leads off with a triple, and then you score on a sacrifice fly. Was so big in that game. And so, no, it's a one-out triple in the, in the Friday game. One-out triple in the sixth inning. So it's one out. If you're at second base, the guy hits a fly ball to center field, you may be sitting at still at second base. So, I mean, it's just the little things about the game of baseball. And let me go back to that first inning real quick, too, and say this. It's interesting how it works out because Rowdy strikes out, and then Tanner Allen comes up, and he hits the first pitch for that double. And so you you see how kind of things change because he's coming up there looking first pitch fastball against Hoagland. He's swinging, gets to second base. But then Cameron James comes up. And James has a bad swing and miss on the first pitch. I don't know if you remember this. Yes, it was, it, and it was down a little bit. But he got started with a breaking ball, which he should is the rule, and swings over it. But then works at three one, fouls a couple of pitches off, then delivers the single. But not a nine pitch at bat. But James had a seven pitch at bat right there, and all of a sudden his ability to make an adjustment within the at bat. You know that baseball is all about adjusting to what you're seeing. Players who aren't very successful figure out a way to adjust game to game. Uh, Good players adjust at bat to at bat, and guys who are going to be great adjust pitch to pitch. I thought you saw a situation there where James was making adjustments within the at bat. And all of a sudden, you're up one to nothing, and McLeod gets what Nikhazy had the day before, the ability to go back out to the mound and pitch with a lead. And you start looking at the game. We talk about Tanner Allen a minute ago. And if if I want to you know, flip the page and be a little bit glass half empty, Bart, and look, I, I really and I'm not picking on Luke Hancock. And this this is not to pile on because, like you said, he's a catcher playing first base. 
I look back to the Friday game. The thing that's concerned me more about Hancock this weekend, we talked about last week about Leggett on the pop-up on the infield, running it out, his ability to get to second base really wins you that Friday game. You look at what happened on Friday night here, Hancock hits the pop-up out in front of the plate. It's mile high. Third baseman runs, runs in, the pitcher runs in, the ball drops, and Hancock's sitting at first base. We talked about how easy that is to do. You're frustrated. It's two outs in the inning. I hit a pop-up on the infield, just like Tanner Leggett. I hit a pop-up on the infield. Daggummit. I'm going to throw my bat down. I'm going to jog to first base. All right, they dropped it at Auburn. Leggett standing at second. They drop it Friday night. Hancock sitting at first. What's the next batter do? He gets a ground ball up the middle. The second baseman gets it. They take the short throw to get the out at fourth play at second base. You kind of wonder. Those are little things. And I know we had the lead at that time of 5-2. to two. Those are little things. And that's why you preach and you teach. And that's a great learning moment, teaching moment, for Chris Lamonis and Luke Hancock. You know, one of the things that I liked about John Cohen, and this does not fit, there's a lot of things we could say about John Cohen that fall outside the norm in terms of the way he approaches it because he's, he's an innovative guy. He looks at things a little differently. But, you know, John Cohen would typically meet with his team well after the game. John wasn't a big, let's go huddle up in the outfield, and I'm about to break this whole thing down before we leave the game, and tomorrow this didn't happen. You know, he'd go back and digest it. That's one of those things that almost takes a little bit of time to kind of process in your head how these little things end up mattering or not. That was kind of the scouting report. Now I've been around Coach Polk and, you know, and John Cohen, you know, kind of behind the scenes broadcasting, and that was one of the things I remembered about Coach Polk was he says, I never addressed the team as soon as the game was over. These guys are old enough to understand when they make mistakes, but then you do bring it up later. And I guarantee you, you know, thinking back, if that had happened under John Cohen, and it probably happened under Chris Lamonis, it's the next day when you're going through a scouting report, you start going through a list of things. Okay, here's some things we did yesterday, guys. We didn't tag up on a fly ball to straightaway center field. We had had the opportunity getting to third. We threw to third and – allow the backside runner to, to advance get to sec- second. Exactly. How many times has that made a difference? And it's going to be so passive-aggressive. It's going to be like, and, hey, uh, we're going to run out pop-ups today on the infield, aren't we? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. But, so, you know, and that's the thing is oh, so many things about baseball, it takes some ability to go back and sit around with your coaching staff and have these conversations, kind of like what we are. And all of a sudden you realize, hey, wait a minute, that did matter. Yeah. You know, that did change things. And so it's funny how those things work out. Looking back at the game on Friday, you know, you, you get uh, McLeod and then Preston Johnson comes in. He was good. He was really good. Last week, he had the trouble locating early. <laughs> and when he walked the leadoff hitter oh my in goodness. the seventh. I sent you a text. We were, we were both like, you got to go to Sims, get him in here. What do and we do? he comes back and <laughs> strikes everybody out. I, th- I, was, I think you were part of the text group that, well, I think it was just you. I was like, oh, my goodness, leadoff walk. And then I was like, oh, okay, I'm fine with him in there. And so, yeah, yeah he, now it worked. He just, he just runs it right back out there and just – And smokes. that's the difference, isn't it? You know, you and I were in total fan mode on Complete. Friday. We yes. were not in broadcaster mode at all. And when you were in fan mode, you live – that's one of the things I'll tell you where I first learned this was in football. So when I was, I was in high school, I used to do the water on the sidelines, you know, yeah. fill up the cups with water. And I remembered as a kid being in the stands and every play – if we gained two yards, I was just apoplectic. I was mad. If they gained 10 yards rushing, I'm like, where's our defense? This is terrible. You know, offensive line's not blocking on plays, whatever it is. 
And I go down to the sidelines, and there's none of that. It didn't work. All right, let's run this. Let's do this. It's such a, it's such a more macro view. They view it as the process of the game, not an individual at bat. And I was very much the one play guy in the seventh <laughs> inning because it, once that walk came, and you know, and that's the thing about being a manager, you cannot manage. I remember I used to criticize Joe Girardi for the Yankees when he would get in the playoffs. He would manage differently. He would manage scared, I thought, because a guy walks somebody and he's making a trip to the mound. He's going through 12 pitchers a game. Walks are part of the game. And if you overreact to it and you pull somebody after every time they walk somebody, you're not going to have any pitching left. Well, and, and two, that affects everyone around you. I mean, if, if, if you're going to go out there two weeks ago and every time somebody drops a pop-up or any time somebody misses a ground ball or any time somebody goes over three at the plate and start yanking guys out of the lineup, now that's the thing. He'll, he'll make moves, but it's not drastic moves. Then all of a sudden you got a bunch of guys sitting around going, I don't know what I'm going to play. I don't know what's going on. You, you've got to have a healthy mix. But then Preston Johnson comes back after that walk the other night and strikes out three in a row. And then you bring in Landon Sims, and he was just lights out. Again, but I will say this. All right. I will you say made this. the point. Ole Miss, Ole Miss squared him up a little bit. That was the first time we've seen him square up. And looking at yesterday, we're going to yesterday, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're talking to folks. You kind of get the feeling that he is available for today. All right. I want, you, I want to expand on the point you made, okay? So let's go through the Ole Miss play-by-play when Landon Sims came in. Top of the eighth inning, Sims comes out of the bullpen. Strikes out Gonzalez on a one-two pitch. Strikes out Shotney on a one-two pitch. And we're feeling pretty good. And then Kevin Graham lines a ball hard. And it was here's the other thing. It was an 0-2 pitch. Yeah. That he lines hard to the first baseman. You get out of the inning, no big deal, no harm, right? Go to the ninth. Dunhurst doubles to left center on a ball hit pretty hard. Bench hits a ball very hard on a 3-2 pitch that Forsyth is able to catch and step on second. But you talk about all these little things in baseball. If that ball – look, we, we said this was at McGowan in the game against TCU earlier in the year. If that ball's four feet to the left, we win the game. There's all these little things that go into it. But if that ball from bench is a little bit either way, all of a sudden, you're worried, you know, what are fans saying? Well, our bullpen's melting down and we hadn't used him enough. Comes back, strikes out McCants, gets out of it. You know, and all he faces the minimum, just six hitters. But there's so many little things that go into it. Is Sims a different pitcher if that ball's four feet to the right or four feet to the left? Well, and I go back to my point I made last week about Landon Sims. I love to see him pump balls in the zone because that's what he does. He throws strikes. And what happens with that, especially when you've got a fastball, and his, his fastball with life, it's data analytics now, it's about spin rate. His spin rate's crazy, but – it doesn't matter at this level. Sooner or later, somebody's going to square you up. Somebody's going to hit you. If you're pounding the zone, somebody's going to hit you. And you you just got to hope it goes at somebody. And it did the other night. That's the positive. Now, you look at Landon Sims today. Does he have availability? We talked about this last week at Nauseam, too. I mean, about using him. Okay, you used him Friday night, and he didn't throw a whole lot of pitches in that Friday game. He threw 22 pitches. So can he come back today? Well, if say if the answer is yes, and he trots back out there, then all of a sudden it does become, okay, hey, it's great to have him out here, but he's never done this before. 
He's never been in this situation where he's had to bounce back because if you look how we've used Landon Sims all year, it's been one time a weekend. I hope he's good, but I'm just saying it's a test pilot in that realm as well. If this is the first time you're going to see it. So, I mean, there are so many unknowns in this game, so I would love to see Landon Sims today. So we've got Sims ready to go in theory today. You've at least got Parker Stinnett, who's really good. Brandon, have. Brandon Smith is a is a sinker ball pitcher. He hasn't been getting a whole lot of sink in the last couple of weeks. You hope you you hope he finds some sink if you have to use him today. Houston Harding against you know a, a heavy left handed lineup. Now I would argue that Houston Harding would be a better guy against right handed hitting just because of his change up brings brings that change up into play. But it's still, Ole Miss is going to hit a bunch of left handers today against Jackson Fristo. Going back to the point about Josh Hatcher, I would not be surprised at all to see him back in the lineup today with Ole Miss with a right-hander. Then all of a sudden you start playing a bunch of left-handed guys in your lineup. I would not be surprised to see Josh Hatcher back in the lineup at all today. And not and it's not about Hancock missing a ground ball yesterday. No, 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 not at all. And part of it is this. If you were willing to give a guy, you know, kind of a ride that long, Chris Lamontis just doesn't give up on people. Then that's one of the reasons that I like him as a coach is you can play your way out of the lineup and you can play your way back in it. It's like nothing's ever final. So here's one thing interesting. You and I visited with Josh Lovelady on Sunday Coffee back before the year started or right at the beginning of the year, and we were talking about in the SEC baseball games how the division point, the separation point, is your ability to score runs late in game because starting pitching is so good that it's you're going to just have to try to fight your way to the sixth and then go try to win it. Is today the first time that we say you better win it in the first six innings? Because if you look at Ole Miss, you've still got Broadway, their closer, who hasn't been used. He's ready to go. We talk about Sims maybe being able to bounce back. You know Broadway's there and available. All right, so they're going to be really good on the back end of the game. Isn't your best chance to win this game if you're Mississippi State against Drew McDaniel? And if you're Ole Miss, isn't your best chance to get to Fristo and whoever follows him as opposed to Stinnett and Landon Sims on the back end. I think today it's, it's going to be, to me, the interesting factor is going to be how quick the hook is for both of those guys. Because if I'm State and Ole Miss, I know, like you just said, I've got a number of guys on the backside. So, you know, you don't want to have the quick trigger finger, but you want to have the quick trigger finger. Would you be floored if in the fourth inning neither starting – pitcher was still in the ball game. I would not be surprised at all. I wouldn't either. No, I, I think no. it's a very real possibility. Especially, you know, you've got two guys. It's not just one. You've got two. And I love Jackson Fristo. I like the way he throws the ball. I like the way he, from a mental standpoint, handles the game. I look for how Jackson Fristo performs in the first inning today. I think the first three outs today are going to tell you a lot about Jackson Fristo today. I think if he goes out and you give up a couple of hits, Ole Miss scratches out one run, they leave a couple of guys on base, that's going to tell you a lot. I mean, I, he need, he's a guy that needs a clean first inning. And Ole Miss could say the same exact thing about Drew McDaniel. Look, he gave up two runs without getting an out against Arkansas last week. So it's not like he's coming in hot. You know what I'm saying? That all of a sudden he's been – he's not Houston Harding who's been dominating the midweek and now we're we're promoting him. He had been very good in the midweek, but he, he's been hit. He was very good against Alabama. So, 
to me, he's a guy who needs the exact same thing. But I would be shocked. Forget the innings. I would be absolutely floored if either pitcher sees that leadoff hitter a third time in the ballgame. And you have to be understanding about what you're about to look at. And we go back to the point of sometimes, you know, one of the big keys of Super Bulldog weekend and having the big crowds is you try to do too much. Today is that day at the plate. Even though you want to set the tone, you can't do too much because what beat Ole Miss last week against Arkansas in the Sunday game, free passes. ton of walks, hit batsmen. Arkansas got guys all over the bases because of walks. The last thing you can do today, and we chased some balls up in the zone yesterday. The last thing you can do to this Ole Miss starting pitching and the bullpen is to go up there looking for early action and doing something with a pitch that you can't do anything with. And what I mean by that, the last thing you want to do is swing at a 1-0 fastball that's belt high or a 1-0 breaking ball that's in the dirt and hit a weak ground ball to the third baseman. Because this is a bunch that if you let them, they'll put you on base. Yes. But you got to let them put you on base. And we well, Nikhazy was really good, so I hate to use him as the example, but we did not grind out at bats yesterday very often, and it seemed like we were chasing a lot of pitches up and out of the zone. And it looked to me like we had almost just decided at some point we were committed to swinging, and by golly, we're about to get a pitch and we're going to swing. And if it wasn't in the zone, we just swung and missed. You've got to be more patient in this game today because the thing we did not do yesterday, we didn't run up his pitch count at all. No, we, no, we didn't. This is a guy who was taking 100 pitches to get through five innings before us. Well, it kind of goes back to the adage of, you know, sometimes when you're coaching 10-year-old kids and, and sometimes you know, my 10-year-old son, you know, you look at their approach to the plate and <laughs> it's, sometimes they get in the, in the phase of, I want to walk, I, I don't want to swing. I'm not going to swing, and then you have that practice or, you, you know, you have that, that, that pitching session of, all right, let me tell you something. I don't care if it bounces up there. You're swinging at every pitch. Andy Canizero used to do that. That was actually something that good that Andy did is he would have a practice, and Josh Lovelady, who was Sims's coach last year, he's kind of got it that brought that to it and said, hey, every pitch today in batting practice, we're swinging at it. And I don't care if it's two feet outside and you swing and miss. I don't care. But you are going to swing. You are triggered on every single pitch. You don't want to have that mode today. No, no. you don't. <laughs> now, ultimately, I think you've. I think today is so important to score early. And had we do it in the game on Friday, top of the order. Yep. And you need Rowdy to be the good Rowdy and Tanner Allen to be the good version of Tanner Allen. Uh, and you got to put some runs on the board early, it just feels like. All right, Charlie, me and you've got this one at 1 o'clock today, SEC Network Plus. Hey, this is the reason we do what we do. Yesterday, getting to the ballpark, and I know it wasn't fun losing 9 to nothing. Man, we, you walk out there, and you're in that booth, and you look over that crowd, and you see just how many people it is, and, and you're talking about a ball game. Man, I tell you what, we're blessed. It was a lot of fun just to, to be a part of that atmosphere Friday and Saturday. So we're well, looking forward to it again today. Yeah, I am. And, and there's one other thing, too. You go back, and isn't it nice? And I know that it's very, very hard to separate yourself from wins and losses. But the last two days have been good. They have been really, really good days that we didn't know how long it would be before we saw those kind of days again. Yeah, it was fun. Man, it was a lot of People fun. People in the ballpark. The weather's been nice. It's a little bit it's cooler. Good. It's been cool, which has been good. You know, it's if you got a bunch of folks, it's kind of have a, have a little cooler atmosphere, so or cooler weather. So, hey, one o'clock today, 
Uh, Charlie and I will be there at 1 o'clock. Uh, I think Jim and Jay have the radio broadcast. Jim Ellis and Jay Powell have the radio. They'll be on at 12.30. But uh, hang out with us this afternoon. We enjoyed it as always. Appreciate you listening in to Sunday Coffee. And this week we're brought to you by Cannon Ford of Startwell. Cannon Ford, they have Fords, Lincolns, and then they have a lot of used cars, newer used cars. They have the spray-in bed liners. They have batteries, anything, any service you need for any kind of car at Cannon Ford of Startwell. So go check them out. Chris Keen and the gang. I had somebody call me just the other day. Well, actually, they sent me a text and says, I need Chris Keen's number because I've heard you guys talking about Chris Keen on Sunday Coffee, which was fun. That's great advertising. And so, of course, I sent Chris a text and said, hey, this guy's calling you because he heard it on out of left field. Just to prove we have a listener. Just to prove, just to prove that somebody, that marketing does work. Anyway, go by and see Chris Keen and, and the fine folks at Cannon Ford of Startwell. It's not just uh, Fords or Lincolns. They can work on anything, the body shop, but uh, great folks out on East Startwell on Highway 182. So appreciate you guys hanging out with us. It's been a lot of fun. Dogs and Rebels today at 1 o'clock. Game three, winner take all in this series. Appreciate you hanging out with us on Sunday Coffee.